Welcome to Demogranomics, your insight to the powerful surprises ahead for the US economy. Demogranomics, where people make markets. And now, here is Mike Williams. Hello there and welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Today we're going to call it The Cleanup. As the summer haze thickens and the chatter of Brexit and its various fallout risk blends into a dull headache, we can be somewhat assured that summer chop is set to continue this week with jobs, early earnings, a run on bonds, and more fear ramped into the picture. As expected, safe havens are moving as one can almost feel the heartbeat of the investor crowd, assured that more doom is headed our way. The audience cannot seem to get enough of bonds with a U.S. watermark, while sentiment across the globe is getting even more negative. Fear trades are working. All else is as idle as hitting the doldrums in the middle of the ocean on a hot summer day. Let's take a look at the latest as the panic continues to seep into the picture over Brexit. Our U.S. 10-year Treasury bond this morning was trading at 1.33%. I want you to think about that. That's nearly 90 times earnings. The German Bund is 19 basis points below zero, meaning if you will stand in line with everybody else over in Germany trying to buy a German bond for 10 years, you can hand your money over to the government and guarantee yourself you will get less money back a decade from now. Now, if you want to do that, that's great, but that's pretty foolish. To go a step further and give you a sense of how deeply seeded this fear is for most investors, I want to point out something to you. I want you to picture something for a second. Uh, Think of uh, all the U.S. investor sentiment that we talk about all the time, the bullish percentages. Sometimes you get these week-to-week readings, and they can go from high to low pretty quickly. I mean, they can move on a week-to-week basis pretty quickly. So what I like to do is I like to look at it on an eight-week moving average, which means you take two months of those readings. Each week, one week drops off and another one is added, but you blend two months together, and it tends to even out all the big, vicious swings And you get a real sense of when things are long-term negative and long-term positive. Now, if you could see this chart, here's what you'd see. The current eight-week rolling average of bulls is 23.97%. That's hard to kind of get a sense of what that means, but I'm going to give you some perspective. That's the lowest it's been in 15 years. Think about that. We currently have the lowest weekly eight-week moving average of bullish sentiment than we've had in 15 years. In fact, you have to go back to 19, get this, 98 in the summer collapse to get an eight-week moving average that was this bad. 1998, guys. Eight years ago. By the way, the Dow at the time was 5,000. <laughs> if you're chuckling while you're driving, that's good. It means you're listening. But here's the point. Do you know what happened after 
that swoon in the summer of 1998, the market went straight up for two years and didn't look back. So the point is, is that when you get rolling averages for weeks at a time that show low bullish readings, they mean something. Okay? Here we see there is one period where the depths of fear were worse than today. One period. Only one period since 1986. Okay? One period. You want to know when that is? Early 1990s. It was 1992. That was the end of the start of the recession as we began the 1990s. That was when commercial real estate collapsed. That was when we lost 1,500 banks and SNLs. Every Monday, you'd get a laundry list, a laundry list of the banks that the Fed took over over the weekend. And then the next Monday, you'd get another list of the banks that they took over over the weekend. This went on for about 15 months. Eight, 1,500 banks and SNLs, gone. Dow, 3,000. That is the only time we have had an eight-week moving average that was lower than where we are now. How much lower? We're at 23.97. That reading was 18.5. Nothing in between. Nothing. So with the exception of that one period, we're as afraid today at almost record highs as we've been in 25 years. Think about it. Has the crowd gone mad? <laughs> well, treasuries began a holiday shortened week right where they left off. The 30-year yields slid to 2.15%, meaning you can give the government some money for three decades and earn 2%. The 10-year, 1.33, just like we started out with. BNP Paribas has a quote from one of their analysts. It's quite difficult to judge how low is too low for yields amid a slower outlook for global growth. Really? Seriously? Oh, and by the way, according to the Fed Funds data, the probability of a U.S. rate hike by year-end is now down to 12%. A month ago, it was 59%. That was before Brexit. The folks at Morgan released a chart, which only goes to confirm the underlying theme from another perspective. We talked about risk premium spreads in yesterday's podcast and stated the data was clearly on the side of equities versus bonds. But the Morgan chart tells us something else. It tells us the bulls are afraid too. What do I mean by that? I mean, the people that are actually buying stocks, well, all they're really buying is defensive strategies. Minimum volatility, high dividend yield, and what's called defensive sectors. The defensive stuff is the name of the game. Wait until we burn off the oil remix of the last 15 months. Wait until voters demand more fiscal changes or vote the losers out. Wait until something unfolds which the crowd is not expecting, like maybe not the end of the world. By the way, something almost always happens when sentiment is this dark 
and this deep-seated. As stated before, mark this on your calendar. There's going to be a day in a few years when we are looking back and we take a deep sigh of relief and recognize our luckiest days were when everyone was terrified of the next shoe to drop. Rates were at historical lows because of said fear and effective debt management locked in at low cost for decades to come. In other words, your best deals come when we're this afraid. In markets and investing, good things almost always come in ugly packages. We call this section China hiding in the dust. Speaking of hiding, China seems to have left the front page of fear. Strange how that happens. Recall just a few months ago, China was every other word in the headlines. Growth was terrible, the future was terrible, markets were terrible, and debts were terrible, and then Zika and Brexit rescued them from the vat of fear. The point? While we have long suspected real growth in China is more like 3 to 4%, data yesterday showed the service sector grew nicely. I'm not sure I believe half of what they report to the public. Remember, they are communists. But this did jive with the one stock in the barbell economy portfolio, which is held coming out of China. Oddly enough, with a stock market in China that's been dreadful, this stock alone is up 20.5% this year, 51% in the last 12 months. Again, the barbell economy is effective. I think the Brexit issue is something which has a far more positive impact in the medium to long term than everybody is assuming. It's people saying enough of government layers of regulations. They finally had it. I bring a comment to your attention which which got lost in the shuffle back in 08 and 09 when it was quoted, but it makes my stomach churn every time I read it because I know how sincere he was. Rahm Emanuel, the fantastic, and I say that in quotes, mayor of Chicago, stated this when he was Obama's right-hand man, quote, never let a good panic go to waste, unquote. I didn't exactly understand what he meant by then, but let me tell you what he's meant since then. It disgusted me then when I read it, and it disgusts me now. And as we noted here then, we would all regret it deeply one day. Panics like we saw in 08 and 09 take citizens into a weak mindset. Historically, government has masked its desire to help, and I put that in quotes, during times of crisis. It is only later that one realizes the help was more like hooks dug deeply into their financial flesh, soaking away growth and hard work, in return for the false feeling of being aided for a short period of time. In time, it's more like being crippled. In my humble opinion, this is what is causing the voter to strike back today. Brexit was simply a sign of a potential turn in the tide. Maybe we can come back from this eight-year experiment we started in the United States with the current administration. I suspect we will be positively surprised by how quickly and efficiently businesses and people 
will adapt to whatever the new landscape is post-Brexit and build anew with fresh eyes, so long as politicians' input and regulations are reduced from the suffocating levels of today. Sure, there are going to be hiccups and aftershocks, as already noted, each of which more likely than not to set to provide long-term opportunity instead. I state this up front, and it is surely not politically correct. If your business model is to take from the successful to distribute to the poor, you will end up with more who are poor and fewer who are willing to work hard to become rich. I do not care what country or period of history you want to go to in order to prove it wrong. You will not find that circumstance where long-term success arose in any area from what D.C. has experimented with here in the last seven and a half years. In a smaller sense, brisk Brexit was likely more a process of shoving off the suffocating regulations brought on by a failed EU process from the start. But let's move on. The good news History says the frustrations we are witnessing today are the ending of things, not the beginning. I know, it feels like it's the other way around. The data above, though, make it crystal clear. The key is this. Look at all the other times where sentiment was even close to this bad and wonder this instead. What's next? It's been said before, quote, when the news trucks show up outside of the exchange, it's almost over, unquote. Likewise, when sentiment gets this gloomy, when only the fear trades are working, when only bad news is focused upon, the end game is close, and the surprise is not what is assumed by all. The cleanup. Be patient. The rest of the summer doldrums still remain. Chop and angst should be expected. The barbell economy is running forward of the pack, through and under all of this mess, just fine. It's set to get stronger for years and years, not weaker. We are nearing the turn on the back stretch of this earnings recession, and EPS is set to turn with it. Focus on what's next, not what's now. Focus on demographics, not economics. Count people, position properly, and then let them come through your door as they age. The bottom line for investors, if profits merely hold at present levels, one can see a scenario where the expected return on equities can be significantly higher than the return on treasuries at record low rates. Make certain you remain focused on the barbell economy. The data continue to prove its value. Eventually, this will become obvious to the masses but it will be at higher prices in the stock market. So we'll provide you more later on the next podcast. Hope this has been helpful to you. Until then, may your journey be grand and your legacy significant.